Good morning. So, we are dealing with a graph, algorithms, and uh, tried to start convincing you last time that uh, many problems in the world are described in form of graphs. Graphs can express any type of relationship between two entities, entities shown as, as nodes, and the relationship is the edge. Uh, and then, of course, you may have lots of different questions uh, nowadays, especially the social networks, uh, social relationships. Uh, this one showed the adolescent uh, romantic relationship between youngsters at Jefferson High School. And you can see how there are many uh, pairs like this, many trios like this, or trios like this, and then some huge comp uh, connected components. And of course we need algorithms to, to find connected components, uh, enumerate all kinds of things, and find, calculate shortest paths, etc. Um, in fact, almost, almost any search problem that you can imagine, sort of finding the configuration of parameters that gives you the optimal value for something. If you change the parameters, you get to the next, next state that is neighborhood. So almost any search problem can be described as the search over very huge uh, graphs. They don't need to be constructed explicitly because they would not fit in the memory, but they can be thought as implicit representation of the underlying search spaces. So we have sets of nodes, sets of edges, n nodes, m edges. Um, if the edges are undirected, then it's just a pair of nodes. They can be uh, directed, then it's important which one is first, which one is the second, head and tail. Um, or we think from V to W, therefore this is the tail and this is the head, if you think of the arrow. Neighbors, uh, you can count the neighbors of any particular node. This gives you the uh, degree of that node. And with the degree, you can separate in degree who points to you, if this is a directed graph, and out degree, how many links you point out from that node. Uh, so degree of a node or on the directed graphs also you can separate between in degree and out degree. Path is a consecutive sequence of nodes such that every two consecutive nodes constitute an edge so basically you can have a, a path. And the length of the path is number of nodes minus one leaves you know how many edges is in, on that path. A distance between nodes is the shortest path that connects the two nodes. Diameter is the longest such distance. Distance is the smallest possible connection, and diameter is the longest such shortest path between any two pairs of nodes. Uh, between any two pairs of nodes, therefore, it's actually quite complicated. You can have n nodes as starting points and n minus 1 as endpoints, and then count all the paths between them, and the, the shortest one of them is the diameter. Uh, 
of the graph. Uh, degree. Um, this is uh, uh, my first look at uh, um, at raw data, sort of like uh, unprocessed, etc., on the famous Estonian Global uh, Social Network. And uh, what you can observe in here is degree in degree. So how to read this graph is that how many is on the vertical axis, and what is the degree uh, number. So how many connections have 100 degrees? It's about 50,000 nodes in the graph have in degree of around 50,000 50, is somewhere in here. So maybe actually it's actually, oh, I'm, <laughs> I have a wrong angle to this. So from, uh, I said from 100, yeah, it's somewhere in here. Yeah. Uh, so what are the properties of these kinds of things? Uh, turns out that you could make many assumptions that on average, Connections in the social, on average, people have the same number of connections on the social network. That would be a fair assumption that there is some normal distribution that on average people have 100 friends. Some have more, some have less. Turns out that this is not the case in the, in the real world scenarios. Uh, there are heavy tail of uh, uh, nodes that have very high degree. So if the normal distribution would be around a certain point, then you wouldn't have that tail ever, right? So there is a heavy tail in here, and also there is uh, all the time uh, more and more individual, basically nodes or individuals that have, have small degrees. So this one in here is uh, 100 plus million nodes with only one uh, degree, one, only one partner in the network. Uh, and then there is, and then, well, basically, and then you can see that uh, more than 100 million in here, this is 10 million point, 10 million who have 10 friends in the network. This guy in here, you didn't even see, this is a single node that has Four hundred million connections pointing to it. Four hundred million in degree. Who is this guy? Any guess? You can imagine many of those being celebrities, uh, or somehow many want to connect to, to, or some highly connected individuals. But who is this guy that has 400 million? Maybe he's the creator of the Is the Echo 123? Test my voice. Uh, so, so this is the degree who points to you. Um, oh yeah, I, I should have added. And, and this sort of confirms exactly this, that the degrees are not normally distributed around a certain point. 
So, so actually the degree distributions in the real networks are pretty much looking something like this. Uh, usually they are even, uh, look at the exponential, exponential scale, or sort of log, log scale, sorry, and then you have uh, straight lines in here, so basically it means that, that you have this distribution. Lots of more with a small connectivity. And you, ha you keep having those nodes that have more and more. Yeah, this is the heavy tail. And when you plot this on the log-log scale, you get this nice straight line. So this is not the case, but this is, this is the case in, in almost any social network. And uh, internet, uh, internet, you can measure the IP uh, network, network connections or, or webs websites, etc. So uh, lots of crawling, lots of counting degrees, trying to understand what is the, how, the, how, the, how these networks come by. What is, the, what is the random model describing how these networks emerge? What is the model of how the new social relationships emerge in the network? Can, can we predict how the network will evolve? And what the what the structure will be. Um, this is the same network at out degree. How many connections go out? And immediately you can see some strange features in here um, that may be two different technical things. Like clearly there are some peaks at around 128, at around 512, at around 1024. I have heard these numbers before. What are these? Some powers of two. So what's, what's going on in, in there? So you can immediately start thinking that there must be something strange going on. Uh, overlay the two, uh, you can ob observe that they have roughly the same uh, degrees. Out degrees uh, red, in degrees green in this case. But uh, some of these stand out. So, and and some of these may be well. We we I don't even know what, what the status is. So we hypothesize that maybe there are some clients on which uh, you can't have more friends. <laughs> you reach the limit, and that's it. You get some peaks, or somebody wrote a program that artificially creates these communities and basically, uh, especially in here, out degrees are large, so, and I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of those are actually spammers, spam bots, creating accounts, creating fake, um, uh, fake connections, etc. But that's, uh, that's how you can analyze. Uh, or, and of course you don't stop in here, but, but this is just uh, the, the, uh, some first flavors of the, um, when you look at the graph. On the graphs, you can, well, this is the path or line through, and of course, as I said, we would like to have the shortest paths. Uh, sometimes you may have cycles. If you, if you want to have a cycle that goes through every single node once, you get to Hamilton path. If you go, if you have the cycle that goes through every edge once, you get the uh, Euler path. Clicks are uh, such that every node is connected to everything else. So you add one, one node that will have four connections. You have a new node that will have five connections. 
because the new one will have six connections, etc. And then our famous trees. So trees are graphs, but also we would like to overlay trees on top of the graphs to get the spanning trees. So Euler circuit problem, as I said, tries to grow, uh, go through each edge exactly once, and Hamilton circuit goes uh, through every vertex, every node once. So which one do you want to solve? You know the solutions to those. From the, you have had some discrete maths and some graph background before, don't you? Although they look very similar somehow, that just go through every node or every edge once, the solutions to find such paths or, or ask whether this is possible in the first place is uh, totally different, uh, complexity class. Um, in the Euler circuit problem, and that was one of the, like, uh, like uh, Euler uh, formulated this problem when he was uh, in old Königsberg, uh, currently Kaliningrad, so there were these two islands in the river and nice bridges, and he started to think whether he could, cr he could cross uh, all the bridges exactly once. Started from somewhere. Uh, and then formulated this as a graph problem, that uh, this island, that island, uh, bridge on one side, the other side of the river, and these are the bridges. Can you go through every edge once in here? Can you? And you know how to prove or disprove this? It, it has something to do with the degree of the nodes. If, uh, if you come to this island, you have to leave. But if you happen to come again, there is no bridge left to get out. So if the degree is uh, odd, then you may get stuck in here. If the degree is even, you come to, the uh, to this islander node, you leave. Another time that you come, we have even number, therefore there must be still something to go out. Right? And then you go to the next node that also has even degree, you can get out of that as well. Right? So in the Euler circuit, it suffices to count the degrees of every node, and if each one of them is, is uh, even, then there must be such path through every edge. So you, almost, you, you can almost always uh, start basically, let's start moving in here, covering, when we get here, there, 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 there. So you can basically, almost any path you, well, I guess any path you, take in this picture, you will find the next unused edge and uh, end up in the same place from where you started. So it will be just checking what is the degree of every node and you know the answer to that. While Hamilton circuit problem asks for a tour through every node or he does relationship, to, of course, to traveling salesman problem. So let's go through every different city, try to sell stuff. 
and I don't want to visit any city twice, traveling salesman problem asks for the shortest path, but if the nodes, if the edges are all uniform, the same length, then it's just any path uh, through all the nodes. And turns out that this is, uh, this has been shown to be NP-hard, or polynomial time algorithm is not known as of today. Uh, so, um, for this, nobody knows polynomial time algorithm at the moment, and if it turns out that NP is different from P class, non-deterministic -polyno non polynomial time complexity is different from the polynomial deterministic time complexity, then you can't find uh, polynomial time algorithms for this. So basically it says that in that case you will have to test almost any um, of the exponential number of, of paths. Um, so in order to be answering to your boss, you shouldn't say that I am done by can't solve it, but uh, you could say that uh, you, you should also not say that uh, this algorithm is not possible because you have not proved that NP is different from P. So all that you can argue is nobody knows at the moment. But um, you would be surprised to see how large problems, in fact, people are solving. You know that optimal answers are not uh, feasible in general case. They will be often uh, calling for exponential time algorithms. But later we will look at the optimization problems where with a limited time span you can use heuristics that are giving you good enough solution. You can't be always 100% sure. Sometimes you, you may, you don't get the guarantees. Uh, some problems are solvable, uh, some perhaps not. But in the generic case, uh, we are calling for exponential time algorithms. Okay, so um, I have been saying about the undirected and directed graphs. Uh, when you talk about graph theory, then most theories really concern about undirected graphs. So directed graphs add very little to the theory side. Um, but of course, street networks within the cities may have one-way one roads, uh, one-way streets. So uh, directed and undirected in the real world have uh, clear, um, uh, clear distinctions. We would like to have weights on the relationships or distances, of course, especially when you start thinking about the road networks, cities, the distances do matter. Uh, the simple versus non-simple graphs, basically, can you uh, tolerate for multiple edges between the same nodes or self-loops? Sometimes you want to express these relationships as well. Uh, so if, if we avoid self-loops and multiple connections, then we uh, have uh, simple graphs. Graphs can, have, can be sparse or dense. If it's sparse, then uh, uh, think of the road network graph. Who of you has seen the road junctions with the eight roads coming into the single junction? or more, 10, 15. 
So if node has a bounded degree, like the road network has, then by necessity it doesn't have more than a big O of number of edges, number of nodes connections. While in the dense networks you can have up to n square connections. Um, around the Arc de Triomphe in Paris, I think eight roads come to Arc de Triomphe and uh, the roads, uh, uh, the, the circle is there. Um, when you have directions, directed graphs, then you would be keen on analyzing does it contain cycles or not. Let's uh, find some cycle in here. Yes, there is a cycle in here. You can move through or, or even shorter cycle in here, right? So if there are cycles, that means sometimes that, for example, you can't, if these are dependencies, you have to complete one job before you can take on the other one, then you can't project manager who creates projects that depend on each other and they can't complete, but you can't uh, run such projects. If you do, uh, if you have acyclic graphs, then you can say that what has to be finished before the next job starts, and you can make the scheduling on the acyclic graphs. So we would like to understand whether the graph contains cycles, um, infinite loops or deadlocks, for example, in your computing, or um, potential deadlocks, or if it is acyclic, doesn't contain cycles, and therefore can be linearized in one order so that there are no back uh, dependencies. Then, we like to draw and have think that the graph is explicitly stored graph in the memory, but this does not need to be. Uh, we have to think that some graphs, sort of, we don't see them. We start approaching node by node. We don't generate all the graph, but we implicitly uh, know that it is there, and we just start exploring neighborhood. And the neighborhood you can explore, sort of, look around, or generate the new. Uh, node in the neighborhood. When we talk about road networks, then this is a nice uh, simplification, but of course, in real life, you may, your roads have topological embedding, and uh, cities have uh, geographic coordinates, and this actually adds a lot to the, uh, to the, of course, on the GPS navigation, finding the shortest path, knowing the exact distances and knowing the, the potential remaining distances uh, by the GPS coordinates or the geographic coordinates is very important, of course. Theoretically, we usually speak about just graph without any labels. If you have labels, like we know that this person in this social network is this with the same username two usernames in two different networks, it's the same person. <coughs> then you can merge the two networks. If you don't have any labels, in all our analysis, these are just anonymized. We don't have the labels. But you could crawl the Twitter network, perhaps. You, could, you might get some hints from there, but try to match the two networks without any labels. You have no idea 
which node corresponds to the same node in the other network. Um, if, if there are labels, then merging or comparison of, of networks becomes so much easier. Um, without the labels, asking whether graphs are isomorphic or could be exactly the same looking uh, may be hard. Or finding large subnetworks that are isomorphic to each other or have the same uh, structure. In friendship graph, we have um, yeah we have uh, said so friendship friendship graph in the social networks of course can be it doesn't mean that uh, if I connect to uh, some important person that they would ever connect back to me so it's undirected in a way you especially in Facebook you you, you connect to some uh, celebrities uh, heard of you have heard of many famous people, they have never heard of you, but some relationships may, uh, may but should be uh, bi-directional, or therefore undirected. Okay, uh, brain teaser for you. This is a network with the relationships with, which have directions, and uh, we can interpret the directions that companies, five companies, company uh, deals sells to, to the other company, sells to the other suppliers, sellers, etc. Which company in this economic situation would you would like to be in this cluster of company? The CEO of which company you would like to be? Answer. Quick doesn't always need to be the, the correct answer or best answer. If you have a quick answer and better be correct, then you can be a CEO. Any other opinions? Would you justify? Um, because um, a relationship between one and three and two and five depends on the support of the way you're connecting. So you control the, the, the purchasing. You may compete, uh, you may uh, ask them to compete with you, with each other, right? You control the purchasing and you also control the supply, the, all the selling. Yeah? You can buy cheap, sell expensive. This guy is totally in control of the entire supply chain. But now let's turn the relationship to this who loves who in the romantic sense. Uh, which person of the five you would like to be? Making business is so much easier. And there he, again, gives a quick answer. Estonians are slow. 
That's, we, that's why we get foreigners in here, to pick up the speed. You're from where? Ukraine. Ukraine. So, what about you? Do you agree? Or well, second tech? Second. Sorry? Second one is also Would someone like to justify why, why, well, se second one, good, yeah. They are sort of equal, in a way. Okay, um, so, you, justify, why two and five are, are good? Well, it's difficult to, to love uh, two people. It's good that there are, there's only one outcome. Okay, if you can't choose, then it's easier if it's one. What else? Your preference is sort of sort of miserable love in here. You you may be sort of like loving somebody who never loves back. That's sort of miserable situation, and you don't care about if somebody loves you, and you don't love back. This really miserable place in here. Uh, this is sort of nice, but they also have this side kind of affair there. It, it's not so stable in here, somehow. In here, it's very stable. Nothing disturbs them. And, of course, when you formulate it like that, then you, you, you can immediately, immediately think that, okay, but there must be some algorithm that tries to identify the important nodes in the graphs. And then you can define the importance by different, uh, in different ways. Okay, I think this repeats a lot of, about the friendship graphs. So, uh, on the graphs, again, we have different connected components. One connected component, of course, nodes are connected to each other. The other connected co component. Uh, cycle is highlighted in here. A click is highlighted in here between four nodes. The fifth node does not constitute the click. This is not the click, although this looks uh, pretty well connected, but individual uh, triangles in here are small clicks of three. Uh, this is a path in here, and in here is a spanning tree. So take a graph and overlay a tree uh, covering all nodes exactly once. And spanning trees are sort of what we're going to look next. So you start from a node and then you start exploring the graph and the way how you explore the graph, you actually formulate the spanning tree. You formulate a tree from one node going through the graph uh, that, that covers all the nodes uh, once. Uh, so uh, click, every node is connected to every other. So this is, if you, if you take it to complete graph, then Every node is connected to every other node, and click is is uh, subgraph of the graph. Uh, if I would ask you to write a program that, given five nodes, enumerates all possible graphs, would you do it by next week? 
okay? How many such crops? Five nodes, how many crops with the five nodes you can you can generate? It's very hard to build because of the isomorphism. <sighs> because of that, okay, let's label them. Let's put labels them. A, B, C, D, E. Then they are all different, for sure. Okay, isomorphism by the Let's give them names. How many different crops there will be? So the first node will, will have four potential neighbors, right? Do we want to add self-loops or not? Do we want to add directions or not? Let's stick to simple graphs. The second one already has this connection, so let's ignore this. So that one has three. This one has two new and, and one new connection. So four, three, two, one, uh, ten connections. If we have, is it like that? Ten. Now, the edge can be present or not present. So two to the power of ten if you just count if every node present or not present. <coughs> if we add connections one way or I'm not going to spoil this or the other way or both ways or missing every page we can have one of the four in fact, right? So if you have a, a connection, then it's 4 to the power of 10. 2 to the power of 11, so that's uh, 2 of that's a uh, few thousand, right? Uh, and then you could, then you could, when you start adding the self-loops, then adding or not, then that adds complexity, etc. So in fact, the, the combinatorial explosion will be there so that very quickly, even with the small graphs, potentially small graphs, you will have many of different graphs. Um, so this is uh, um, 10 different underactive edges, and then with the directions, you have four options. When we start looking at the subgraphs, then when there is a large subgraph, uh, large graph, then subgraph is just any subset of nodes, and whatever the connections there between those nodes, exactly. 
That means that there will be uh, there was okay m and n has changed in here, so usually I use the n n nodes n matches, but two to the power of nodes different subgraphs. So node can be in or out of the subgraph, and subgraph is entirely uh, determined by the nodes in this subgraph. Uh, of course, you can't have connections to any other nodes, but anything that was in between these three nodes remains. So there will be uh, different uh, uh, potential subgraphs. Then you can do crazy things with the graphs, like turn it inside out. Whatever was the edge in the original graph, you can call a node or vertex in the in the converted or line graph. So original graph, let's create new nodes, and then let's connect the new nodes such that they were, they were going through the same uh, node. So basically there will be connection between one and one in here. Right? So from this, you can sort of convert the graph and get into the line graph. You can take the graph, Make a line graph. Every original uh, connection is now a node. But there will be more, potentially more uh, edges. So you can start converting again. So if you do line graph of this line graph, it, it may actually start growing uh, infinitely. So it's, it's converting back doesn't give you the original one back. It's not direction. But sometimes some problems may be like some of the graph clustering, finding community, well, finding some clusters may be easier, not in the original space, but rather convert the space and then do something on the converted space. Okay, uh, the next textbook representation of the graph is uh, as adjacency list. Node 2 will have 1, 2, 3, 4 neighbors, 1, 5, 4, and 3, 1, 5, 3, and 4. Doesn't matter the order in here, uh, just linked lists, representations, or the adjacent matrix representation, node 2 will have connections to 1, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, node 2 has out degree 1, 2, 3, 4, and node 2, uh, like in here. If, if this is for directed graphs, then you can read out out degree and in degree. Uh, like in here, this is for, for, connected, uh, for directed graph, uh, six nodes, and then from one you have links to two and four. So from one you have links to two and four. If you would like to uh, find who points to node number two, there is one connection then, uh, sorry, one, two connections. To two, one points to two, and four points to two. So two in links for node number two. When we represent adjacency list way, like in here, this was undirected graph, yeah, the, the, the thing in here is, uh, if one points to two, then two also has to have a link to one. 
So it's, it's one to two, two to one. Both have to be present in here. So every H is in, in fact represented twice in this representation. For every node, we represent every H um, potentially twice when we represent this as a list. And when the, when the list is, uh, when the, the graph is sparse, then the number of H's is not very large. So it makes sense to store it as adjacency list. While in adjacency matrix, you take all the n by n potential edges into the matrix anyway, representing it by zero or one or some weight. And uh, you, you, are, you can do that only for dense graphs. Imagine taking the Facebook with, what is it now? 1.52, how big is the Facebook? How many users? When we looked at the Skype data, that was the largest network of that time. But now <coughs> Skype is lagging behind, of course. So Facebook, let's say billion, right? Try to take the billion by billion adjacency matrix. And you don't have uh, memories for that. So luckily, these social networks are, are of course, are not so dense. There are nodes which have many connections, but they are, on average, they are still sparse. On average, they may have, with these distributions that we, that we showed, on average, it would be meaning just 10 connections per, per node, for example, right? Or maybe 100, but it is still linear. So, to test whether the connection exists, of course, in the matrix, you just look it up. It's fast. Uh, degree of the vertex in the list, in the linked list, you can store the size of the, of the tree easy, or, or the list, or, or just traverse the list, count how many there is. In the, in the matrix, you have to go through all the n uh, connections. For small graphs, um, List representations are linear, while quadratic size for for um, uh, for adjacency matrices um, on uh, on dense graphs matrices may give you uh, better representations. Um, when we start traversing the graph, then lists guarantee us that we visit every edge only and we don't visit these missing links that would immediately go to the quadratic time. So usually uh, all the algorithms are thought in the case, in, the, in, the, in terms of adjacency lists. There is another representation, of course, when you get the graph initially as a raw data, it's H list, A to C, A to D, D to E, etc. And you can keep it like this, right? If, it, if you sort it by, by the first uh, node, then all the links from A to its neighbors are first. And in this way you can actually make a very dense one, uh, uh, representation just for every node tell where the list starts and for the next one where that list starts. So A has 3 minus 1, 2 neighbors, B has 3 minus 3, 0 neighbors in this representation. So this is now very efficient way you can store it in matrices if the graph is static. 
If the graph is dynamically updated, then you can't insert in between. But if you have a snapshot of a graph, of course you can uh, keep it in this compact manner. And then you can take the entire uh, 400 million nodes, <laughs> 2 billion connections, and keep it in small memory footprint of uh, 20, 30 gigabytes. Nicely fitting in uh, every single node of our compute clusters. <coughs> when you process the data like this, then uh, the first snapshot that we got, the IDs, well, it was like this, it was textual IDs, of course the IDs are longer than reading the first time the file, like cut to dev null was like 25 minutes. Uh, and uh, we were del delivered by disk those things. But, but then of course by Converting those into very uh, compact manners, it, it was easy to keep it in, in small memory footprint. When you have large text representation, ideally you want all the labels to be numeric, no, no textual names, just the first, second, third, etc. node. And in here also you would have just integers, so integers to integers. Uh, then first you would need to convert the, the keys to integers and for that you need hashing. Have I seen this key before? Yes, the integer value was that. Have you seen this before? No, the next one will be n plus one. Right? Okay, so uh, for compact representation this is uh, how you can store without, without uh, linked lists like in here. It's in the matrix representation, um, but you know where the list starts and when, where it ends. Okay, and now we, we, we know that we have these graphs, and then you start from Mr. President and ask, start asking, can you start from Mr. President, look at, at his friends, 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 etc. Can we connect every single entity to the single person? Or actually, even in the case of Skype, <coughs> is the bloody network connected, fully connected or not? Or are there disconnected components? And there were disconnected, disjoint components, actually. They were, it was interesting that there were some which were surprisingly large. Maybe some corporate policy that you, you can use it, but never link to anybody else outside. I think there are some, some are surprisingly large disconnected components. Uh, we want to traverse the graph efficiently. That means that we should never visit every any edge more than twice. How come? Why twice? Can't we do once? You have a node, and you have the edge to the second node. Inevitably, you will reach, process the other node, and then you sort of have the same edge. So from one node, from the other, you have the same edge. So in that sense, you should, you will touch that edge once and twice. 
And we want to, of course, have uh, correct, uh, uh, correct algorithms that are systematic, don't miss, up, uh, miss, miss out anything, and those will take you out of the mazes, uh, because maze can be represented as a graph. So, how do we traverse the graph? We You start from a node, from some node, and the first question that you ask, can ask is, what are the neighbors, right? So there will be neighbors, if you have not seen this node, then you know that yes, we can process this node. If, if that has connection back, then you can say that, you must say that, oh, I have been in here, that has been discovered previously, so we don't need to deal anything with this. Or, if you go, you process this one, and this one, and this one, and then observe that there is link to there, then you say, okay, been there, done that. So we have to be able to label things undiscovered, discovered, and fully processed. Uh, fully processed uh, may mean that we have, we may have discovered this node, but maybe we haven't done anything yet to that, right? We know that we have discovered, relax, we will take time to deal with this. But once we have dealt with everything in here, then we mark it as fully processed. Uh, and the first, of course, is like in the search trees, uh, or any, any uh, tree traverse, we can do breadth first. From a node, we can look at all its neighbors, and then we can ask, can we process then the first hop neighbors, followed by second hop neighbors, followed by third hop neighbors. Um, we start from this node, we discover all its neighbors, and we put all those neighbors in the queue. So when we start dealing with the neighbors from here, some may link there, um, then the next we add in here to the end of the queue. If we know that all that were one hop away are in front of the queue, so when we keep systematically taking from the front of the queue, processing, adding their new neighbors that were previously undiscovered to the end of the queue, so that's the simple breadth-first search algorithm, uh, and queue the start node, and start fetching from the queue as long as it's not empty, uh, process the node for every neighbor, if, had, if that has not yet been discovered, then put at the end of the queue. And keep doing this, the queue will grow, depending how wide the graph will uh, get at three hops. If you think of your Facebook friends, or LinkedIn, or Skype friends, in four <coughs> hops, how wide how many people can you connect with four hops from you? Even if the average degree will be 
10 is uh, 10 to the power of 4. Right? 10 times 10 times 10 times 10. But some may have 100, some may have 1,000 friends. So you will get explosions. Basically, in four hops, you have half of the network in your reach. So the queue better be long enough to fit all of them. So this is very simple, just traversal, but there is something else that we can do and a little bit more systematic way. We can uh, use the analogy of uh, colors. Uh, uh, white, uncharted discover, uh, territory, we have not discovered it yet. Black, if it, if it has been fully processed, or gray, if it has been discovered but not yet processed. And then we can calculate distance from a node particular node to the uh, from the source to that node. The shortest distance, we, if we start from president, you can look one hop, two hop, three hop, you know for all those three hop, the shortest path is three hop to the president. There can't be any shorter ones. So distance to the starting node and also which link should I follow through which connections should I reach to that uh, starting node and uh, a queue to manage these gray uh, vertices. So everything, we've, we paint everything uh, white first. That assumes, of course, that we have the explicit graph. We have that in the memory. We say that everything is not discovered. Distances to root are, or starting node are infinite. It's not known which way to go. Then we pick the start node, say that this is now gray, we start processing it. Distance is zero because that is the start node. Parent is nil because it is, or parent was nil already, why do, why do we do that twice? Parent is nil, uh, we don't need to represent that. And then we enqueue that particular node in the queue, and then fetch from the queue, look at the neighbors. If that was unprocessed, then make it gray. Distance grows by one, whatever it was the distance from, from u to root, now we add one. And for that new node, the parent link is of course to u. So we discovered, from u we discovered v, for v we put the parent link to u. And uh, then enqueue this new V node. Once we have processed everything, all the neighbors, then we say that then we say that uh, we have completely processed node U and label it black. In here, we only put the new uh, neighbors to the queue when they were undiscovered, when they were white. So the other alternatives were that the new links point to the gray or black nodes, and then we don't care about those. We have already discovered those. Uh, okay, so we have created the shortest distance from any node to start node S, and we have, for any node, we have the parent link, so these parent links actually uh, point 
to the start node S, and the parent links actually form the spanning tree with a root starting from S. Uh, this is the example, the, the same example in here, you start from S, the uh, one-hop neighbors, and in the queue is R, uh, uh, W and R, the next one we process the first one from the queue, uh, W, so these are two hops away, uh, after processing these two, uh, what T and X should be in the queue, and R will be up next, uh, from there we add V, now we have everything, the gray nodes in here, everything that are at distance 2 in the queue. And then we start from here, processing uh, and labeling, uh, basically going through the queue. This is now empty. Now we have traversed the entire graph, started from S. The red links are in here representing the tree, and the uh, distances show the shortest path distances and U knows the parent of U, so uh, from here you can link to the root. So that, that's what we get at the end of this uh, process. <coughs> so if for Mr. President, you know the shortest distances to any, any node in the network, then from that node you can always have the answer what is the shortest path to, that, to the start node. So this is the this is the tree. There is no cycles. There is uh, no cross links or, or anything because we never added link when the other node was uh, gray or black. And this is called the breadth first uh, tree for this uh, breadth first search on this particular graph. Uh, okay, uh, I, I wrote small visualizations where the nodes are put on the circle, a little bit randomized, and then the links predominantly move clockwise, and this just shows from this node how the, how the processing, the next processing happens. Uh, so looking at uh, which, uh, which nodes are at which distance, and yeah, this starts again, one, two, two nodes, then takes the first one, then takes the second one, and now we have one, two, three, four, that there were two hops away, and expand those, etc., and it goes through the uh, graph. This one is directly graph, that's why it only moves clockwise, and the way how it was randomized, uh, so basically this is uh, just trying to illustrate. We have more of those coming. So how much time did it take? Every node in this process we enqueued once. Only when it was white we enqueued it and, uh, to the end of the queue. Therefore, we process uh, ON. ON time was spent for enqueuing and fetching from the queue, and then, therefore, every node is taken once for the processing and once we look at its neighbors. So every neighbor, every edge will be looked at only at once because we only from from a node look at its neighbors. 
uh, all the adjacency lists are scanned once. So it's uh, n plus m time algorithm. Uh, on the way we generated these shortest path uh, uh, parent links, and if you now want to, okay, give me now the path from president to you, then we know that you are at the end of that uh, path. So the last thing is print you as at the end of the path. The question is, what is the path uh, before you? So from you, you know whom to connect, who was your connection from where the president's path was uh, shortest. So then we want first to print the path from president to that connection of yours, and then add your name at the end. So it, it will be uh, nice recursive calls, basically just this process will uh, from president, uh, from S to U, um, once, you have, uh, once we have printed from S to T, then U will be printed. From S to U, U will be printed last, S to T will be printed, T will be printed last, etc. So it outputs the path S, W, T, U in simple line. In this example and breadth-first search for undirected graph, every edge will be that we uh, observing, we start traversing the graph, that every edge that we touch is going to be either tree edge, it will be on the tree, or it will be cross edge so that there is no link to the parent or any ancestors or any descendants of the same of the same node. Why? If there would be link to ancestor, then it would not be two hops away, it would be immediately one hop away, right? You would have discovered that from coming from the parent. And likewise uh, to the to the uh, descendants from the node, if it's to the descendants, when the first time that you touch the descendant that you haven't seen before, that will become the tree edge. So that's what happens with the breadth first search tree um, traversal. We are going to create new tree edges or just declare that was a cross edge. That's it. In this manner, starting from one node, you can ask who is reachable by how many hops? And you will reach every node. And then you can ask, okay, this is my connected component. Everything connectable from one we can observe. <coughs> uh, if there is some other component, there is no way from any of nodes in here you can cross to that component, right? So then that finds us uh, uh, these different connected components. And uh, this uh, 15 puzzle or Rubik's Cube, 15 puzzle, you have to get the 15 numbers in the 4x4 box to the correct order. You have played that, right? As a key. Uh, who has played that? Few of you. So you know that when you change the order of two, then you can't get ever into the 
for a tenth state. So basically, you can analyze is the are the states uh, connected to each other by these simple moves or not. Uh, or Rubik's cube, if you break it and put back on the wrong order, then you cannot ever solve it. Right? There are three disconnected com components. Two coloring of graphs. Um, it's we have two colors to label, and we have to we, we ask, can you take the graph and label it by two colors so that no two nodes next to each other will be with the same color? If you can, then you can have the one color and the other color, and the connections are only between those two colors, from one color to the other, but never from one color to the same color. So basically, two coloring asks whether you can make the bipartite graph, and uh, in this uh, um, current political climate, I feel very strange talking about this uh, intersectional relationships, but, but, but basically uh, in the bipartite graphs you, you would have uh, two different types of entities and there is never uh, the link across the same type of ent entities. Uh, people and groups, people can belong to groups and one group will not belong to the other group, right? So people and group or objects and attributes, there are two different uh, types of entities so the relationships can be only between, uh, between them, but not within one type. Uh, this also will be sort of like asking who loves whom by how much. Oh, I love that pretty much, and that will be also okay. I love that one, but I, c I could do with any of them with different weights. And the stable marriage uh, question will ask, find such a pairing that will be the strongest. Uh, if you have, if you enforce a, a weak link in here, and this one may have stronger link to somebody else, then that will be broken. That marriage. Right? So stable marriage cannot be broken by uh, uh, wrong links. So bipartite graphs uh, will be useful in different types of analysis. So how do you do this bipartiteness uh, checking for this? Uh, uh, Jefferson High School example. If there were no labels, uh, no, there were labels. There were labels. You, you knew that labeling uh, uh, for men and women. Uh, but if you are not given the labels and you are asked, can you label them in two different groups so that there is never links between uh, within the same kind? How would you do that? You can use the same breadth-first search. So you start from here, and you can label it black or white, just or one and zero, men or female. So the the white, and now this is a different meaning of the color. It's not undiscovered, discovered. So uh, white has neighbors that will be black. In the second, this is one hop. In the second hop, these are the links. From, the, from this layer back to, or to the next one, right? You can turn it around so that the next layer will be turned up again. So one hop is black, 
The next talk should be always white. So observing link that is black to black is, uh, says immediately that it cannot be labeled uh, with two colors. You start from one, you have the opposite color, 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 and then you can say no other links ob uh, observed, only the, to the op opposite color. You label to the opposite color, and then you can say that yes, you can label, uh, you can assign the colors such that when you do breath first search, uh, starting from certain colored nodes, uh, when you process the edges, uh, you, you, you will ask, have you seen this node yet or not? When you start observe the first edge, you process the node edge between X and Y. Uh, if the colors are equal, then you cannot buy, uh, you cannot, it cannot be bipartite. Otherwise, you assign X, uh, from X to Y, you assign the new color that is complement of X. And complement is Y, black, black, white. So you can just use the breathwork search and uh, demand that the next hop will be different color all the time. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, as far as I remember on the previous slide, we've seen that if you use breathwork search, not all the edges, uh, can we guarantee that all the edges will be discovered? Yes, but when you observe, there will be three edges or cross edges. So the cross edge will be the one that will break your by uh, these two coloring. So the cross edge here would break the two color problem. And we were asking, can you color it so that you have the bipartite graph? Can you, can you analyze the graph? Can it be bipartite? And then you start from one, you give the next, uh, back to one, <coughs> white, black, white, black, white, black. So that was, uh, that was uh, the breadth first search. And of course, you, you know that uh, the simple recursive algorithm will give you the, the depth first search. Let's look at the first neighbor. And let's immediately call the depth first search again on the first table. Once you somehow finish this, then you come back to this node, you, you, then you deal with the next table. Right? There could be different links in here. Um, so then, like in the tree search, you go to the left, 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 somehow as, as long as you can go. When you backtrack, you take the next one, you backtrack, you go to the next one. But again, uh, you should not if the link is to some node that you have already visited, then you should ignore this, right? If the link is to something that you have not yet visited, uh, then you know that you are going to move there next. Um, the tiny detail in here is when you go first from here to the first and then follow first node in here, have you discovered this or not? Is it possible that this will be on the path of the depth first search tree? 
And I think in the proper recursive implementation, that is fully possible. Because this is going to be the first time that you observe this node, even though this is linked from there. So you just look at the first one, go <coughs> in, and then you may come back to here. Uh, so that in the simplest recursive formulation, you, you start from a node, you, you process it, say this is uh, whatever, you do labels or print out the value. For, for any neighbor, just do depth first search starting from that neighbor, right? We have the first neighbor, we print it out, you go to the first neighbor, you print it out, first neighbor, first neighbor, first neighbor. Stop here, backtrack. Second neighbor, oh, we have been there already, backtrack, etc. Then you find this neighbor, etc. So this is the simplest way to go through recursively the graph. Uh, but we will add a little bit of uh, details in here. We add, like in the previous case, we want to know what is the parent link, what is the tree going to look like of the depth first search, and also the distance, like, like in the previous, is the distance needed? Now, instead of distance, we will do something else. We will add timestamps. When do we discover something? Like in the breadth-first search, we have undiscovered node, discovered but not finished. Flag, if it is fully finished, you can uh, leave that node for good. And then we are going to label by timestamps, uh, so that timestamps will be from one to two times number of uh, nodes. Every node will ultimately have two timestamps, the time of discovery and time of finishing with that node. Uh, and of course, the, the time of discovery will, discovery will be earlier than finishing. And timestamps is just one, two, and one, two, three, etc. Uh, okay, so discovery times shows when it is first uh, discovered and great. Uh, finish time, as I said, parent is uh, predecessor of view link. This is the graph. You start from one. Um, and the first link observed is two. So this is just to illustrate the depth first search. One, two, three, four, five. Five has links to one, been there, done that. Five has link to two, been there, done that, or gray link in here. So you, you backtrack, and then you discover six. So this is how the thing will look like, and we care about the three, that remains in here, and these are just backlinks that we will uh, we were ignoring. So to start this search, we first tell everything is undiscovered. Uh, again, paint everything white. Parent is unknown. Timestamp starts from zero, and now we do uh, call depth first search visit in here for every vertex u that is a neighbor of this uh, starting node. If the color of that is uh, white, undiscovered, then we visit that. Depth first search visit, and that will be the main recursive program. So this one was just called uh, for every neighbor of u once in here, but depth first search visit in here takes the node, paints it gray, 
takes the next timestamp. Now we have discovered this. We, we visit the node, we have discovered it, we have attached the time. Then we go for every neighbor. If that was unvisited, then we know where to look for the parent link, and then we visit that node. Once all the nodes have been ultimately visited, all the recursive call have actually uh, sort of finished, uh, uh, fully processed all entire graph, then we say that U has been completed, we will uh, paint it black, and assign the next timestamp to finishing time. So presumably you start from root as timestamp 1, and you will be ultimately finished at the very end of the graph search. This starts from this node, the graph, how this processes, uh, the same image. So we start at timestamp 1. We just discover this, obviously, at timestamp 2. We discover this at timestamp 3, at timestamp 4. Then we look at the neighbors being there. There is no other neighbors. Now we are finished with this node at timestamp 5. Start and then. There is no links out, 3 and 6, 2 and 7, uh, forward link, 1 and 8. The tiny caveat that we haven't told so far is that we started from U, but we didn't discover all the nodes starting from U, right? So how the search in fact should process is now, if we know, know all the nodes, we will look at the next node in the list that is white, and then we discover W in this way at, nine, at time point 9, and then we process the same recursive manner. Uh, I, I have to look back at the algorithm. No, I wanted to look back at the, at the algorithm. Maybe I explained something wrong in here. Yes, every node in, in vertices in the graph is made white, and every node in the graph will be, if that is white, then we start depth first search visit from that node. It's not, it, it wasn't the neighbors in here, you didn't correct me, it wasn't the neighbors in here. We, we start from every node if that was white, right? So, and from the no particular node starting, that is going to be the root or starting point of that connected component, then we visit this. If after this some nodes remain white, then we discover them in here, in this loop. And that's why we get to the situation that now we keep <coughs> looking at the nodes that are white, we observe this one was white, and we start the new search from here, new recursive search from here. Uh, that has a neighbor this one, but we have been there already, 3 and 6 fully completed, we don't need to go there. 10, 11, 12. So we have the start, and then discovery and uh, finishing time points, timestamps in here. The timestamps will be useful for us uh, at later stages as well. But on the other hand, just having a look in here, you can see exactly in which order the nodes were discovered and uh, finished. So how the process was, was going on on this graph. What is the time complexity of this search compared to breadth first search? 
In breadth first search, we put every node once into the queue and therefore process every list once. Uh, in this particular case, we went through all the nodes, and if uh, they were white, we started the depth first search visit. So that was linear time in here. Actually, we discovered uh, new components as well. In the, in the previous case, we did not discover the new components. Uh, of course, you can add the link, uh, this first loop in there. But once you start visiting one component, then for every vertex exactly once we call the depth first search visit because we only visit the yet unvisited nodes. And then we go through the loop once, so basically we go through every node once, every, every edge once, we have um, number of nodes plus number of edges, time complexity, the same time complexity. We go through the graph depending how big the graph is, not only the number of nodes but also the number of edges. And we, we generate not just a single tree, but a forest of trees um, in this case. Discovery and finishing times will have parentheses structure uh, that we will sort of basically like first beginning and end, and like parentheses of the, of the trees, it will be the same type of uh, structure. Okay, this is, a, this is another layout of the algorithm, um, another example. If you, if you look, at the, look at this example, then we, you can work backwards, right? Where is the first discovery time? One is in here. Obviously, this has started from this node. That was discovered first. One, two, three, completion, four, five, six, completion in here, seven, completion, Finding 8, completion at 9, completing at 10. So the tree was this, 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 and that. So this is processed, and then the loop we're looking for next white node that must have the label 11. This is this one 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And uh, these labels will be uh, later also used, for example, to discover that from these components we could not go to there, but from there you can go there. And uh, we will find that these, this component in here is strongly connected. From any node you can get to any other node. So basically you can collapse all of this into a single one, uh, ultimately, and have a simpler graph because these are these loops. So the, you can take the larger graph and collapse it to one, two, three, four nodes within each node. All the nodes are reachable from each other. So um, we have the, we were using the queue to get the breadth first search, and we were using recursive program to get the depth first search. How does a computer use recursion? Internally, it usually it uses a stack. So once you start processing this with the stack, you know where to come back. Um, similar 
somewhat similar depth first search would say that, okay, if this is the case, this node has these neighbors, uh, why don't we Why don't, it, it's a little bit <laughs> tricky here. What happens if we, if we say, that, okay, we look at all the neighbors once, and let's put all of those in the, in the stack. What do we do in the stack? Let's uh, put it in the backwards order, F, um, E, B, C, B, A. Stack grows in this uh, direction. So, like in here, we put all the nodes in the queue, and later we fetched the, the first one from the, uh, from the queue, we add it to the end of the queue, it would be adding to the end of the stack, but in the stack, you would fetch the first one out, right? So if, if you put them in here, the first thing you get is A, and then you can start processing A, um, and uh, add Look at A's neighbors and the, and the first one you take out of the stack. Uh, the tiny detail in here is about the labeling. Have we discovered those or not? Is this in, in, in here that we could find a path that goes through these ones before we come back to discover those after backtracking to this layer? So that is a kind of detail that can be sorted out. But in one case, the <coughs> queue is used. You add to the end of the queue, you fetch from the beginning. In the other case, stack is used. You add to the end, you fetch from the end. So when we visit the node, we either fetch the node from the queue from the beginning or from, from the end to look at the next node in the graph. So, to summarize this uh, and make the connection between the breadth-first search, depth-first search, the depth-first search starts from a node and starts exploring one direction as long as it can. That was a dead end, backtracking, and then taking the other path so this is the depth-first search tree on this graph. Long paths, deep tree. This was on the same graph from the same node, the breadth-first search. Go, find as many nodes as you can in one hop, two hop, three hop, four hop, etc. It will be very, because we will have the shortest paths, it will be as uh, flat as possible. In one case, we took the first opportunity and just keep, kept going, uh, looking, uh, expanding from that. In the other, we looked all the neighbors and systematically went through uh, the data. In one case, we systematically <coughs> fetched from the beginning. In the other, we just we didn't care. We did what is in the queue. We just opportunistically took the first one, the, the, the latest one added. We immediately started the process. The latest one added. We immediately started the process. 
Why couldn't we take any of the nodes in here? All of them are unprocessed at this stage. They are just waiting to be processed in some order. In the breadth-first search order, in the depth-first search order, or random order. Or some very clever heuristic in here. So, depth-first search tree, breadth-first search tree, and this is randomized search. So you, you sort of pick randomly, you have observed the neighbors, so far you, know, you have observed all the gray nodes that are waiting in some queue, and you pick randomly from them. Some wait for longer, some wait for less. And then, then the tree, of course, will be, again, something in between the depth-first search, the breadth-first search, the random search is somewhere in between. But it is systematic because we process ultimately every single node in the, in the tree. Uh, the same graph interpreted as a directed, undirected graphs at the bottom, directed at the top. Breadth-first search goes one layer, two layers, three layers, etc. In undirected, you can see it goes left and right, both directions, right? Um, this is the uh, depth-first search. It tries to go one way as deep as possible, and then backtracks and searches through the graph. And this is sort of randomized way, uh, taking any of the unexplored nodes and looking at its neighbors, uh, either directed graph that is clockwise or undirected that goes both ways. All of these will visit every single node and connection once and process all the HSC lists once. And uh, whichever has been a method that you have been doing, that, these were independent runs, independent programs producing uh, animated GIFs, but they were perfectly synchronized because they all happened at the same time, and the entire tree was uh, now discovered the new disconnected uh, nodes in here, and the entire tree, the entire graph was traversed at exactly the same space, uh, the same speed, sorry. So, Breadth-first search, depth-first search, and randomized search are essentially the same thing, slightly different order. If we can take any node out of this for the next exploration, right? we took the first or the last, <coughs> you could take random, then why stop at random? Why could we apply some heuristic in here? Let's take the most promising one in here. Let's take the most, with the best uh, heuristic, right? Max trying to get greedily uh, solve our problems. Uh, and this one is trying to do the, this sort of like, you apply the uh, heuristic, 
find the maximal, expand always the maximal, a maximal is defined from the center point as clockwise, what is the, what is the, which one it goes quicker, quickest to the, uh, th through the cycle, right? It always finds the one that is, expands this one, this one was, degree was larger, so going there, right? And once it has completed, it has to backtrack, and then we'll try again, new discoveries. So you can see it was a very quick, very narrow path to go there, and now it's uh, backtracking the same route and exploring the other paths on, on, the, on the go. So instead of, instead of a simple queue or stack in here, you, should you may also think of this as a, some priority queue. If you put in here some priority queue, you can, fetch, you can throw in new numbers, new values, but you always fetch the highest priority. The, 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 with the current knowledge, the best optimal choice. And that will give you the Dijkstra algorithm, the shortest path, from nodes, the geographic paths to the to the other cities, or it will give you the let's uh, let's add some other heuristics. Let's also estimate not only how, how close you are from Tato, but which one takes you closest to to the like GPS navigation. I want to find the shortest route to Paris. Then you, you don't start moving in the wrong direction. You want to move to the correct direction towards the endpoint, right? And then the, then the heuristic can be not just the distance covered so far, but also the remaining distance remaining to the target, right? And applying that heuristic, and that is a star algorithm heuristic. So this one greedily just took the, the one that was clockwise the latest or largest uh, degree, uh, but you could, as, as I said, you could apply any other heuristic if you treat this as a priority queue or some kind of queue, right? Fetch the earliest, the latest, the random, or by some heuristic. Okay, and with this it's good to stop for today. Monday, um, for personal reasons, I will not be here. The Monday lecture is cancelled, so we will meet again next Thursday. Thank you.